0: How many people here are video game aficionados? Who loves playing video games? Come on, raise your hands, come on, you love them. How many of you guys are old enough to remember the the Super Nintendo Entertainment System? I ain't talking about the NES, the SNES. That made it special, my God. So growing up, I loved playing video games, you know? Uh, I wasn't the best, I just loved playing them. Uh, but. Um, My dad, he was in the Army for 25 years, and and he retired at Fort Campbell, and so all the kids used to get together and and, hang out, and uh, one of our uh, our friends, one of my best friends, his name was Quentin Millhouse, and he was a video game nerd. He was a geek, and he was proud of it. So we were at lunch one day, and he was like, hey guys, my mom bought me the SNES, and we were like, what? Your mom's rich. That's crazy, man. So we were like begging our parents, we were like, mom, can we go to Quentin's house? Y'all remember sleepovers back then when they were safe to do? You know, we would go back and hang out. We were like, mom, can we go hang out with Quentin? So it was me, my brother, it was Quentin and his brother Junior and our friend Darius. We're hanging out one Saturday night during the summer. And we're up, we're upstairs, his parents are downstairs, and they had a gigantic California King bed in their guest room. And so he's playing Mario Brothers. Y'all remember Mario Brothers when they came out on SNES and Yoshi and all of that stuff? And man, it was, it was hard though. You know, I, could, I couldn't, I, give me the A, B, and the A, B, and that's, I'm good. I don't need the, the trigger button. I don't know what this does anyway. And so none of us can beat this hard level. And Quentin, he was like, man, I've been playing this for 45 years. I got it. So he's, you know, he's playing and we're like, it's like we're, it's like watching the Super Bowl. And it's, you know, three minutes left, they're down by two points, and they're gonna kick a 60-yard field goal. We're like, okay, is he gonna get the Cooper Trooper? Is he gonna get him? And he got him, we're like, yeah, he got it. Oh my God. Woo! We got no job, we ain't got no money, but we're excited like we've done something with our with our lives. We're jumping up and down on the bed. Yeah, he did it. Whoa, way to go, Quinn. You did it, man. Yeah, jumping up on the bed. And all of a sudden, we hear crunch. Now, how many of you know that beds aren't made to go crunch? So we look back in the rear corner. Now, the, f- the first three corners are up like this on the bed, but that rear corner's down like this. So we start panicking. I'm like, oh, I got, I got the solution. Now, I'm eight years old, so I'm a genius. I got the solution. Hey, let's just take some some pillows and some comforters, and let's just stuff it under the corner. Nobody will ever know. They'll never clean this room. It'll be here for 40 years. So we pick up that corner of the bed, and we go to do this, and all of a sudden we hear another crunch. Uh Uh-oh. So the opposite corner now is, is on the floor. So if you, okay, I'm a visual guy, so let me just set the scene for you. So two corners are up like this, where they're supposed to be, and the other two corners down like this. Now, I'm not an engineer, but I don't think that's how they put the bed together. So now we're starting to freak out, and we're like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna get some more pillows, we're gonna get some more blankets, we're gonna stuff them under the front corner, and nobody will be the wiser. So we start doing this plan, Operation Genius. We're doing this plan, we're picking up the mattresses, we're picking up the corners, and then all of a sudden the middle of the bed goes crunch. So let me set the scene for you if if you're struggling keeping up, okay? We got two corners of the bed like this. We got two corners of the bed like this. And then we got the middle of the bed like this. So now we're done. We're all freaking out. And Darius, he's the oldest one. He's like, okay, guys, hey, everybody be quiet. Let me think of a plan. So we get real quiet as if he's going to think of a plan that's going to save the day. Okay, let me think. And while we're thinking, in the stillness of the night, we start to hear (laughs) (laughs) We look back, Junior, who's the baby brother, he starts crying. We're freaking out now. This is not what we need. We don't need crying. We need people to be calm. We don't need crying's bad. Calm is good. We don't need crying. Crying is the enemy right now. So Junior's crying, we're like, shh, Junior, be quiet, shh, shh. How many parents do we have here, show of hands? How many parents? What happens, what does a child do that's already quiet and you tell them to be quiet, what do they do? They cry even louder. (laughs) I want my mommy. Now, up to this point, God's been gracious because the parents have been downstairs sound asleep. But hello, mamas, how many of you know when you hear your baby crying for your name, you could be Istanbul and you'll hear it, won't you? So now now we hear the one sound, the most fearsome sound in the life of an eight or nine-year-old. Boom, 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 boom. Up the stairs, boom. Mama's coming and she is in attack mode, my God. She kicks, boom, kicks open the door. What have y'all done in the bed? Oh my God, we just paid this bed off. I can't believe this. Oh my goodness, you're in so much trouble. And we have nowhere to hide because we're right there in the room. So we just got to sit there and take it. Oh, but she wasn't done. That was just the beginning of the punishment who had to spend the, the rest of the summer working off the debt to pay for a new bed. And guys, listen, I'm not talking about peeling the little household chores, like, you know, sweeping in the kitchen and doing the laundry. Oh, no, 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 we was hanging drywall. I was doing shingling. I helped drop a motor and a new transmission in the F-150 truck, <laughs> my guy. We was working, working. Do you understand what I'm telling you? That was my very first small group. We were called the delinquents, my guy. But how many of you know that life is so much better when we're doing it together? Can I get an amen on that? And I love hanging out with my friends. You know, we, we went to the, to the movies, went to the arcade, we went skating, we got in trouble. But we did everything together. But that's all of our story, right? We all understand that, 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 that the major events in life, whether it's a wedding, whether it's a graduation, whether it's a birthday, celebrating holidays, they're always better when you do them together. Can I get an amen on that? So that's why I've titled today's message, The Power of Building Community. Everybody say community. community. Say community. community. And I think the one who understands the power of community the most is God, because he himself is community. He is communal. You, you guys do realize that, right? God exists. He's Trinitarian. So you have, that means you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that's right so it's it's better to think of three distinct persons who exist as one in vibrant relational community and you know Jesus he talked constantly about his relationship with his heavenly father and I can prove that to you from scripture Matthew 11:27 says that the father knows the son Matthew 3:17 he says that the father is pleased with the son. John 8:38 he says that the son speaks what he's heard from the father. John 8:28 he says that the father teaches the son. John 10:17 he says that the father loves the son. But we also see in scripture that there's vibrant relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.16 says that the spirit rested on the son when he was baptized, remember by John the Baptist. Matthew 4.1 says that the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Luke 4.14 says Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to start his ministry in Galilee. John 15.26 says that the spirit proceeds from the father and is sent by the son. John 16.13 says the spirit speaks what he's heard from the son. So we see over and over again, this dynamic of relationship among God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Remember, there are three separate, distinct persons, but they are co-equally God, and they live in unbroken, vibrant community for all of eternity. So, relevant family, can I tell you, because God is communal, you were meant to live in community as well. You weren't meant to do life alone, okay? Listen, there are no spiritual orphans in the family of God, amen? We are sons and we are daughters. Community is powerful because in it we find security, identity, and purpose. We are encouraged, challenged, comforted, and cared for in community. Everybody say community. Community. Say it again. Say community. community. So all of us would agree, at least in theory, that community is vital. But family, I'm not sure if all of us see it as a value to be lived out. You see, we know that it's good for us, and we know that it's good for others. We would even agree that two is better than one. But I don't know if we pursue that as an ideal in our lives. I'm just gonna say it plainly. We believe that community is meant for others, but I do wonder if we me- wonder if we believe it's meant for us. You see, the Apostle Paul understood the value of community so much that when he arrived in a new city, he often would seek other believers before seeking to share the gospel. Why? Because he knew that the love, support, and encouragement of fellow Christians will help fuel his resolve to remain focused on the mission of God and uh, to seek and save the lost. So since you have your Bibles, turn with me to First Thessalonians chapter two. We're gonna start here at verse eight. And I wanna set the scene for you as you're arriving there. See, Paul is following up with the church that he planted in Thessalonica. He planted his church in Acts chapter seventeen and a result of sharing the gospel there in that city is that many folks came to Christ and we praise God for that but there was a group of people who were opposed to Paul they were opposed to Jesus and they were opposed to the mission of God so we call them haters show of hands how many of you got haters in your lives show of hands now if you ain't raising your hands I got news for you you might be the hater (laughs) we need to pray to get you delivered in Jesus name Jace go ahead and get the prayer team thank you brother so Paul is writing this letter. Remember, he's, he's basically fled from Thessalonica. These, these folks are hating on him, and he's like, hey, we got to chunk up the deuces. We got to get up out of here. So he rolls out. And so he's writing this letter to check in. It's either weeks or months later to see how this new fledgling church is doing. He was concerned about them remaining faithful to the gospel and to each other. And here's the reason why. See, in Thessalonica, it was home to rampant idol worship. There were temples to at least 25 different gods in this city, including Zeus, Athena, Apollo, Artemis, Aphrodite, Dionysius, and even the Roman emperor was worshiped as a god there. And so Paul wanted to make sure that this burgeoning church was remaining faithful to the mission, that they weren't being swept away by idolatry, and that they were remaining in close connection to each other. So the first point that I want to make is this. We must see our need for community. Everybody say community. Community. So starting at at, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 8 says this. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So I want you to notice the language that Paul is using. He is saying, listen, we didn't just want to share the gospel with you. We want to share our lives with you. That is the power of community. It's more than being transactional. It's about being relational. Do you understand what I'm saying, Relevant Family? God created us to exist in vibrant relationship with each other. Why? Because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in relationship. You see, Paul didn't look at the Thessalonian church as a pit stop on the way to greater things. No, no, no. He looked at them as a blessing to him and to his crew. He looked at them as a source of strength, encouragement, and belonging. And guys, listen, this is the apostle Paul that we're talking about, okay? Listen, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He saw thousands saved. We even had a a demon name drop, Paul, but he realized that he was never too big to surround himself in healthy community. Even our Lord Savior, even, even our Lord and Savior Jesus, he knew the power of community. I want you guys to jump with me to John chapter 15, verse 15. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. Check this out. He says, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Think about that for a minute. Jesus Christ, ruler of heaven and earth. The Bible says that he spoke the world into existence. He is the one who parted the Red Sea. He's the one who has raised the dead. He's cast out demons. He's multiplied fish and loaves. And yet and still, he is intimate and close enough to call you friend. That's how much your heavenly father cares about you. Right now, God is keeping all of the cosmos in orbit. You do realize that. He's keeping everything functioning in almost perfect harmony. And yet and still, he has enough intimacy. He has enough care for you individually to call you friend. What an amazing, astounding truth that God would call his friend. So if Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God, knew the power of community, how much more should we realize that relevant family? You see, Jesus did ministry to thousands. You go and read in the Gospels. He did ministry to thousands, but he always drew close to others in a small group. Why? Because he knew small groups were the ordained way of us becoming more like Christ. And listen, once we see how vital community is, we'll do this. We'll do what it takes to build community. That's point number two. We'll do what it takes to build community. See, remember, Paul is not physically able to come back to Thessalonica because he knew he was going to be killed if he went back there. But he expresses to his believers how much he wants to see them again. Let's check out verse 17. He says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in purpose, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. I want you to notice the language that Paul uses. He says they were torn away. That implies closeness. That implies intimacy. And I have a challenge question for you all, family. Who in your life right now can you say that you're close to? Right now, if you were to go into a dire situation, who in your phone right now, do you know that you could pick up? You can call them and, and then they would be there for you. That's the power of community. And Paul did whatever it took. He has such a strong connection that it led him to say, we did whatever it took to connect with you and to be with you. And you know what? Paul and his crew, they didn't just face human resistance. They faced demonic resistance as well. Check out verse 18. He says, because we wanted to come to you, he says, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan Hindered us. We wanted to approach you, but Satan stopped us. See, even the devil himself tried to sever the connection Paul had with the Thessalonians. Yet, in spite of all of this, Paul still maintained his, per- his passionate desire to be surrounded by community. His passion led him to be creative with how he reconnected. Okay, let's check out uh, chapter three, starting with verse one. He says, therefore, when we could bear it no longer we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. They're willing to stay at home in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in the faith that no one would be moved by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. You see that? Paul was so desperate to reconnect with this community that he sent someone else to go. Many of you right now, you have people in your life that you can connect with physically. So I challenge you, I ask you today, what's your excuse? What is stopping you from taking one step forward and reaching out and inviting somebody into your life? Who do you know right now that is drowning in anxiety, drowning in despair, drowning in depression? And they're wondering, God, does somebody see me? Does somebody hear me? I want to challenge you with this statement. You're only as healthy as your secrets. Can I say that again, Jace? Hey, you're only as healthy as your secrets. The more that people know what's going on in your life, the more protected you're going to be, the more strengthened you're going to be, the more comforted you're going to be. You don't grow in isolation. You grow in community. Amen? Can I say that again? You don't grow in isolation, Relevant family. You grow in community. Amen? And once we prioritize community in our lives, we'll do this last thing last point I want to make, we will lean into the blessing of community. Everybody say community. community. Say it again, community. community. Lean into the blessing of community. Life is so much better when we're doing it together, amen? And, and I want to I tease out for you two immense blessings with community. The first one is spiritual protection, spiritual protection. See, the enemy's tactic in your life, if, you, if you're not aware, let me make you aware, his tactic in your life is to isolate and then assassinate. He wants to isolate you, and then assassinate. You guys have seen the nature shows, the nature documentaries, right? You see the, the, the herd of wildebeest running over the Sahara, over the plains, and, and, the, and the lionesses are, are, are in hot pursuit. You don't see them attack the front, where the strongest are. They wait for the ones to pull away, that straggle, that get lost, and they pounce on them. And I just feel prophetically, that's many of you right now, you're in that position. You feel like you've pulled away from the herd. And I don't know why you've pulled away. Maybe it's because of abuse. Maybe it's because of offense. Maybe it's because of pride or anger or sin. But you've pulled away from community. You've pulled away from relationships. And you feel like the enemy is attacking you. You feel like he's pouting on you. He's lying to you. He's, 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 he's causing you to walk in defeat. Things that were strengths for you now become weaknesses. Things that were easy to overcome now feel like mountains in your life. That stops today in Jesus' mighty name. Because you're going you're gonna to relink back up. You're going to reconnect with people in vibrant community. There is protection. There is something amazing and powerful when I know that my brother in Christ is praying for me. There is something powerful when I get a text at just the right time that says, Hey, Willie, just thinking about you. We want to check on and see how you're doing. There's something powerful in knowing that somebody's got your back. You feel like you can run through ten brick walls. But guess what? We don't just need protection from the outside world. We need protection from myself, my God. Anybody ever here been subject to stupid? Come on. Am I the only one? Jace, we got a bunch of lies up in this place. We need to pray for them. Because we, we make some foolish decisions too, don't we? And it's good to run that by somebody as interference. Hey, let me just screen this by you. Willie, that don't sound good at all, brother. That sounds illegal. You might want to rethink <laughs> your plan. <laughs> but how good does it feel to know... That when you're struggling, that when you're angry, that when you're offended, you can have somebody with you to encourage you, to challenge you, to point you back to Christ. Amen. Protection. The second blessing. Actually, let me me read this here. Check out verses four to five, starting in verse in chapter three. He says, for you yourselves know that we were destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass. Now, let's stop right there. What what is the affliction from? They're sharing the gospel. They're doing God's work. How many of you know, sometimes you can feel like you're punished for doing the right thing? Anybody ever been there before? You're punished for, God, I'm doing everything right. I'm tithing. I'm going to church. I'm loving faithfully. I'm being generous. I'm being kind. And yet and still, I feel like I'm under attack. This is why we need community. You need people to protect you. You need people to pray for you. You need, hey, listen, you need people to remove the fog from your eyes and and give you back, hey, listen, Willie, this isn't your fault. This is the attack of the enemy, and so we're going to deal with him. Amen? And he says, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, he says, I sent to learn of your faith. When's the last time somebody checked on you to see how your faith was? When's the last time you checked on somebody to to see how their faith was? Hey, brother, hadn't seen you in small group. Hey, hadn't seen you at church in a while just want to check on you. Everything okay? Hey, I've noticed some of your posts. They're kind of troubling. What's going on? Hey, man, whenever I text you, it takes you three or four days to get back with me. Just everything okay? There's power and blessing in community. Amen? I want you to understand the intentionality of Paul and Timothy here. What did they do for the believers? They exhorted and they encouraged them. Who in your life needs to be exhorted and encouraged? Some of you, you need to be exhorted and encouraged. Let me tell you, can I just just say this plainly? Jesus is not going to crack open the sky and personally come down and visit you. That's why he has his people. Let me go on this side. Jesus is not going to crack open the sky and personally come visit you. Do you understand that? He is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He has sent you, 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 and you to go and be his hands and feet. To exhort, to encourage, to strengthen, to comfort, to build up, to point back to the way. Do you understand that? So, guys, listen. It's time for us to get to work. Everybody say get to work. Work. Let's look at the the second blessing of community. It's comfort. Everybody say comfort. Check out verse 6. He says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us, Paul wanted to see them. He was, But listen, now he finds out, you guys want to see us. You want to you uh, connect with us. He says, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. You know, two of the most powerful words in the English language are me too. Whenever somebody's going through a hard time, whenever somebody's struggling with addiction or abuse or isolation or suicidal ideation, It's a comfort to know that someone else knows what you've been through. Now, Jesus is the ultimate comforter. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that he was an always tempted yet without sin. But Jesus has sent you, he has sent you, he has sent me to walk into the lives of others and to comfort them. I heard this statement years and years ago. says that the greatest present that you could ever offer someone who's in distress is your presence. You don't have to know how to exegete Romans chapter 9. You don't, you, don't know how, you don't have to know how to pray the longest prayer. You don't even have to have the right words to say. Families, all you got to do is be a shoulder for them to lean on. Hey, Willie, can I just, I am tired. I am weary. Can I just sit a spell? Can I just stop and rest? And all I'm asking you to do, Relevant Church, all I'm asking you to do, family, is to open up your life so that someone else can find rest and you let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest. Amen? Amen? Amen. So listen, I'm all about next steps. I'm all about next steps. And I've got two really easy ones for you. Everybody say reach up. up. Say reach up. up. And reach out. Reaching up. For those of you, you say, Willie, this is a good message. This is good talk, man. You made some good points. Your Nintendo story was hilarious. It's the funniest joke I've ever heard my entire life. Thank you, I appreciate it, thank you. But you say, Willie, you don't know the pain that I've experienced when I open my life up to others. The last time that I trusted someone, the last time that I was vulnerable, I was abused, I was taken advantage of. The last time that I opened up my life and I was transparent, it came back to bite me. It feels like I got stabbed in the back. Can I encourage you, relevant family, to live that before the Lord today? He wants to take that pain. He wants to heal it. Reconnect with Jesus today. He loves you more than you'll ever know. And he proved his love over 2,000 years ago. He hung, bled, and died on the cross for you. He paid a debt that he he did not owe on your behalf in full. And he offers you the free gift of salvation. And it's yours for the taking today. If you don't know him, I invite you right now. That God, would you save me? Romans 10, verse 9 says... That all who call upon the name of the Lord, that they shall be saved. If you call upon him, he will save you. For those of you that are saved, you just say, well, I have trust issues. It's, it's, just, it's just hard for me to open up. God, you, you, know, you know what Jesus would say? He would say, me too. He'd be like, hello, remember Judas? <laughs> he understands what it feels like to be betrayed. But can I, can I tell you something, guys? Our, we can never let our pain be an excuse for not walking in freedom. so emotional we just you cannot let pain sit on the throne of your heart that throne is reserved for Jesus Jesus will never betray you he will never lie to you he will never make a promise and break it do you understand that he's a promise maker and he's a promise keeper so give that pain to him today everybody say reach out hold up one finger in the air everybody come on one finger connect with just one person this week One person, call them, text them, email them, send them a carrier pigeon. Say, hey bro, been thinking about you. Why don't you come to the house? to sit and have a chat. Been thinking about you. Hey sis, been seeing your posts on Facebook. I want you to know I love you, been thinking about you. Hey, why don't we go for coffee? Guess what guys, that's a small group. A small group is, say this with me, it's you and a who. That's it. So find a him and a her, and let's get busy. Let's get to work. God has sent you. He has sent me into this world to incarnate the love of Christ. And, guys, listen, we're not going to change the world through big, gigantic revivals and stadiums. No. That's for Hollywood. It happens in small, quiet, intimate moments, one-on-one, in small groups. Amen? Amen? Amen?